Okay, guys, here we are for another episode then of the Marshall View here. And today we've got Tommy Moore and Baritsu Lab. So, Tommy, do you want to introduce yourself then, buddy, um, and just say a little bit about yourself? Cool. So, so I'm Tommy Moore. I'm founder of a, a martial arts club called the Bartitsu Lab, uh, and, and we study a weird little art called Bartitsu. Cool. Uh, so, for those of you who haven't heard of it before, it's, uh, it's an art from Victorian England, and it combines bare boxing, Savat, which is like a French kickboxing system, if people have done JKD or similar, they would have heard of it. Uh, cat wrestling, jujitsu, and the use of a variety of different weapons, all, all smushed together. So that's something I coach from my dojo in, in Warwickshire. Fantastic. How did you get started then in doing this? Was it like, it's from a child, did you do martial arts, or was it a later on kind of thing? Or? So, so, so as a child, I was really fortunate in that I was put into boxing and judo. And, and and from from my perspective, at least, there are no two better arts to chuck a small child into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Punched in the face and ragged around by other people. Yeah, that's a good starting point. Uh, so I was put into boxing and judo, uh, and I've, I've done that ever since. So since I was five, up until today, I still do those two core foundational arts. But over time, I'm a bit of a martial arts nerd, so I've picked up lots of different things. So I was fortunate. I trained Muay Thai with Eddie Quinn. So again, you can't get much better teacher than Eddie Quinn. He's just, yeah. he's just amazing. Yeah, uh, JKD with Nigel Trotman as part of the Cas Madga lineage. Very nice. All manner of things. Arnis a screamer, but I've always stuck to to, to boxing and judo slash jujitsu. Um, but I'm also quite uh, well. I'm a very big fan of uh, what's known as HEMA, historical European yep. martial arts. And a lot of those people, for, for viewers that aren't familiar, is they'll take manuscripts and books from from the Middle Ages and from all the way up to the Victorian era and essentially recreate fighting systems. So long swords, spear, you name it, people are, people are bringing it back to life and sparring yeah. with it and, and doing great things with it. And as part of that movement, people were looking at what unarmed historic martial arts could potentially be brought back and reformed. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's lots of things about historic bare boxing called pugilism and catch wrestling's having a massive revival, thanks to people like Josh Bartnett. But Bartitsu was one of the outlying fields there. And so, Given the skills I've got and the experiences I've had in lots of different arts, I found that this is something I could really run with and share with people and bring together kind of the martial artsy people, the fighty people, because I'm from a boxing and judo background. If, if you don't leave with lumps in your face, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> and yeah. the human community. So if I, Bartitsu allows me to bring together all those bits into some kind of Venn diagram. Amazing. Yeah, cool. That sounds really, really cool. Um, what made you stick with the judo and the jiu-jitsu um, and the boxing then? and kind of dabbled around the JKD, the Muay Thai. What, what always makes me stick with, with judo and boxing is just the sheer honesty of it. It's, it's brutally honest and it's, it's minimum faff. You know, in, in judo, you know, let's say in a 90 minute session, you might be doing some technique work for maybe 15 minutes, here a couple of throws, and then you're in the randori, then you're grappling, trying it, and you're against massive people, you're against tiny people, boys, girls, you know, it, it throws you right in at the deep end. It's only boxing. You know, the, the senseis and the coaches, they're always good salt of the earth people. You know, you can go to some Eastern martial arts club and you'll get some nutters, some pajama wearers and some really good people. Yeah. But you'll very rarely see a boxing gym survive where the people are rubbish or a judo gym survive and the people are rubbish. Um, so I really love how, how visceral and real that is. And you know it's working or you know it's not by how you feel when you wake up the next day, which is really important. And so yeah. I like whatever art I go into, I like to treat it with the same 
honesty and reflection I would in a, in, a, in a boxing gym or in a in a judo dojo. Yeah, perfect. What was your first introduction to some of the historical aspects then? So looking at HEMA and the pugilism and yeah. So I went randomly when I was about 18 to uh, an event called Fight Camp, right? And Fight Camp essentially, it sets up in the middle of a historic field somewhere, loads of big bloody medieval tents. And for an entire weekend, a load of nutters meet and fight with swords, axes, spears, mm -hmm. and they teach and they train and they share ideas with each other. Uh, I randomly went to this because I'm a bit of a nerd and I thought it'd be quite fun, but I went by mm -hmm. myself and um, I really enjoyed it and I really loved the sword arts and playing with all that stuff and I had a Filipino background so you know a long sharp thing or a long blunt thing it's kind of the same regardless no matter, no matter what it is it kind of works the same way uh, so I really enjoyed that and threw myself into it but there was a couple of sessions on unarmed stuff uh, I liked it uh, I liked exploring it but I found that a lot of the instructors were from more of a research background so a lot of the people that were doing it at the time they'd read the books and they'd see the photos and they know how to do it but none of them have ever been competitive none of them ever fought none of them have ever done anything combative whether sportive or working doors or things like that yeah so i thought that this is an area where i could bring slightly different perspective so after that event i explored hema more but also kind of made a focus of mine to bring something different to the table to bring together the fighty stuff and the research stuff which is, is really important did you struggle to bring the two together or was it quite a natural progression for you to kind of add them and merge them it's still a nightmare because uh, they're quite disparate communities you know martial arts communities are so disparate anyway you've got you know traditional martial arts you've got mma you've got kind of combat sports singular combat sports they're all very siloed and they're all islands into themselves as it is sure Emer is like this weird six-toed cousin over here <laughs> none of the others have heard of yeah. um, so my class makeup is made of traditional martial artists HEMA people and combat sports people. And I suppose my job as a coach is to, to meet all their expectations, but without selling myself too cheaply. You know, I've got a, a course syllabus, which I've made for what I teach. And I try and stick to that. There are coaches that have their own different syllabus. Um, but, but for me, I try, and, I try and keep it as real as I possibly can. Um, but it is very hard because people have very different expectations. But at its core, Bartitsa was designed as a, a self-defense art made out of combat sports disciplines. In the same way that I suppose Jeet Kune Do is to, to, to many respects, you know, you've got your boxing, you've got savat, you've got catch, you know, in Wing Chun, obviously you've got the, the uh, in JKD, you've got the Wing Chun element, but in the main, you're making something mostly for self-defense out of bits and pieces that in many ways are mostly for combat sports. Yeah. So it's a kind of similar process and evolution, I think. Yeah. So would you say that what you're teaching now is more self-defense based? Or is it more combat sport based? So I think I think you have to understand, and, and I really believe for you to be any good at self-defense, you need first-hand experience of, of, of fighting. Now, whether that fighting is, is real fighting or whether that fighting is ring fighting, ideally both, but I, I, I really struggle with, with the notion that you can teach very good, some people can, but teaching very good self-defense without having been scared and battered in front of lots of people going, Way! You know, you, you need that fear and that experience yeah. to, to, to do it well. Um, so I, I still keep a very much a self-defense bent to it, but I encourage all my students to compete. And, you know, I see things like, you know, Russell Jamasty, you've seen mm -hmm. his stuff. He teaches karate and jiu-jitsu, but he still has his guys go into white-collar boxing matches just yeah. to get them used to being knocked about and, you know, to try mm -hmm. it for real. So I, 
it's really important that whilst self-defense is the mindset that the, the combat sports are kind of the tools in the tool belt to get you there perfect and how does maybe the weapons then come into it how does it come into your in terms of the syllabus and then also in terms of self-defense so so the weapons are really interesting and i've got kind of two branches of weapons in in, in my classes there are lots of people that are into classic bartitsu and classic bartitsu is predominantly cane based you imagine you've got an eskrima stick right mm -hmm. bartitsu cane is probably a third longer with a weighted end to it so it's more like a small mace and there are lots of, as you can imagine there are a huge number of ways to use that that classical weapon sure you get things with umbrella and things that are slightly related to that so that's the kind of classical bartitsu weapon and i teach that and a lot of that is based upon fencing and, and fencing okay. things because it's a european system so fencing is is, is the, the basis for a lot of this stuff um, but by the same token i also teach in my bartitsu class lots of small common weapons that were common at the time when bartitsu was made and common today you know a knife is a knife is a knife sure. uh, a baton is a baton is a baton it doesn't matter when they're used these are sound principles i also put a lot of time into incidental weapons so if any of you've seen my youtube channels i put a work into you know, bottles belts pens stuff stuff that you'd have today but i'm very much about teaching weapons based on an archetype you know there are short sharp things long sharp things short blunt things long blunt things mm -hmm. and flexible things and that's it you know yeah, and yeah. as long as you've got the foundational skills with it you could you know to quote dodgeball you know you could, you could, <laughs> <laughs> it could be a wrench could be a dodge a wrench dodge a dodgeball yeah exactly exactly you know they're, they're all archetypal I'd really encourage anyone to, to, to take a good interest in, in using weapons. I struggle with a lot of self-defense arts and people get so used to defending them, but they never train actually how to use them. Yes. I think that's a massive part. You know, if I can get a knife off someone, I need to know how to use that knife. There's no point in going, oh, sod that. Yeah. Yeah. People, people that watch the news, you, you saw the, the attack in, in Reading just this weekend. You know? yeah. If by hook or by crook you manage to get that knife off someone like that, you need to know how to use that knife because that person's not going to stop. That person's still going to come. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to use weapons and defend against weapons are, are really important. I don't think you can have just one or the other. Both. Excellent. Um, when was it that you decided to, to kind of start your own thing then and, and become a coach? And was it easy for you to coach? Were you quite a natural coach or was it a struggle? Uh, I'm quite a natural coach. So, so one of the first jobs I ever had, I was a teacher. Weirdly, okay. for the kind of stuff I do, I was an RE teacher. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I'm an RE teacher that teaches people how to beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> um, but I started off as a teacher. So teaching people is relatively natural to me. And I was already teaching anyway from the boxing and from the judo and from the other martial arts. You know, I was used to training people. I really struggle teaching children. And I try not to teach children uh, as a personal preference. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really important children learn martial arts, but I find it really hard to manage children's class. And I don't have the time to do both. Yeah. And I think mixing it together doesn't make it good for adults or kids you know, yeah kids. sure yeah for me i really struggle with that yeah. um, so i i focus on self-defense for adults um and I, I try and bring something different to the table there are lots of relatively similar self-defense systems out there you know people are familiar with things like defense lab and casey and there's lots of predominantly elbow cover self-defense arts out there and there are lots of kind of crav and crav clone arts out there yeah. so if people want that you know that's cool and it, like there are so many brilliant instructors in each of those things but i wanted to do something a little bit different and, and, and as bartitsu's self-defense built out of combat sports i thought that's a place i could bring something useful that the other arts 
don't necessarily specialize in or, or, or bring to the table. Perfect, yeah. Do you find you get a specific type of person coming to the gym then like to train with you or is it quite a mixture and a medley of, of individuals? It's a, it's a massive mixture. Uh, you get people that are into history and like historical things. So, so those guys come. I get often, you know, I train out of a boxing gym and I've got a lot of boxers, a lot of kickboxers, MMA guys, and they're training out that gym. And you see them peeking through the side, like, what is that nut to do with it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I tend to get a lot of people that would normally take the piss. And I, I totally get it because you would laugh at some of the stuff in historical European martial arts during the fighting background. But the more they talk to me and they get, their head around and you see them casting a BDI, then they'll pop in the next week and then they'll start to love it. And they love the notion of putting on the fencing masks, bashing hell out of each other, doing the different things. Yeah. So I get a good mix of guys that are into history, guys that are into modern martial arts or combat sports. Uh, what I also find is I get a lot of people that are about to do things for self-defense. So I get a lot of people that are about to go on a gap year or okay. yeah. Uh, yeah, people that are go, about to go work in slightly more dangerous parts of the world. So I also get people join up and say, right, I've got, eight weeks, 12 weeks, can you show me some stuff that suits that yeah. situation? I really love that because it's like working to a brief, you know, if yeah. you can look at the, the human and say, right, you're, you're seven stone wet. So there's some techniques that I'm just not going to even bother for you. You know, for you, these bits of the syllabus are what you need to stay safe as you go backpack through Laos or whatever you're going to yeah. do, you know? So I, I like to put a spin on that. And I, I take a really good inspiration from, from Eddie Quinn's, the approach, you know, Eddie Quinn is a salat master. He's a, he's, a, he's a brilliant Thai boxer. He's got all these arts under his skin, but yeah. still that into the approach. Um, now, I'm going with quite a few more techniques in the approach, but I think that the psychology of that, really boiling it down for people, is, is really good. It's really useful. Yeah, perfect. What would you say is the single most important thing in self-defense then, from your experience and from your own teachings? Is there a single thing? Is it mindset? Is there a technique? Is there a... Yeah. What do you think? I, I think for many people, the awkward truth is that you've got it or you don't. And yeah. the, 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 the fundamental thing is, if I go to a council estate in Scarborough and smack a lad around the head with no amount of training, he's just gonna he's gonna go for it. He's gonna have it. He's gonna he's gonna fight. He's got that fighting mentality, that fighting ethos. I think for many people, you've either got that or you don't. I think you can expand it, evolve it, grow it, nurture it. Yeah. Some people, it's a kind of a binary question. They have it or they don't have it. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you do have it, uh, I, I, I think for many people outside of the psychology of self-defense, I think that the, the, the most basic thing is learn to hit really hard. <laughs> you know, people can talk yeah. about all the different attributes, speed, technique, cunning, all that kind of stuff. But most fights last all of three hits. You want your three to be decent. Yeah, yeah. So, so by hard, you know, it's, it, it's on target, it has the right power, has the right speed. But I think for a lot of people, they, they spend so long learning about the fence and talking hands and de-escalation. But many of those things come to you relatively natural. It's quite hard. I think many arts over-rehearse that kind of stuff. Sure. They, they, they practice the fence and de-escalation and talking. But you know, in reality, you're speaking to Gary, who's an accountant. <laughs> you regulate the fear, but yeah. you know it's Gary. So that... It's never going to really replicate the, oh my God, he's going to smash my face in, in a way that proper sparring, proper fighting will. So I think, you know, core is self-defense is learn a couple of very basic techniques, yeah. learn to do them with bad intentions, yeah. and learn to do them from, from different areas. Many people get so used to always attacking from the front 
but people go, you know, can I do it sitting down, lying down? Can I do it while I'm on top of you? Can I do it while you're on top of me? You know, there are so many variables to fighting and we get so used to fighting in just a, a boxing or a kickboxer or a grappling yeah. range. Yeah. Real life is full of many shades of gray of where you need to defend yourself. Very true. Yeah. Excellent. Um, where do you see your own training going then in your own, your own club? Like what's the plans for the future, I suppose, post COVID, let's say. So, so post COVID, um, I'm, I'm an active boxer myself. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's a title fight, which I really want to nail because the belt lovely and I need that. I need that. Yeah. Well, uh, so for me, I need to focus a lot and to get back to grassroots, get back into my boxing and start training. I've probably been coaching a bit too much okay. to get back into kind of being an horrible, nasty fighter man. That's yeah, yeah. A lovely supportive coach, man. Yeah, yeah. In terms of my own development in, in, in martial arts, I want to take a real forensic look at catch wrestling. Uh, I'm a pretty good judo player, jujitsuka, but I'm, I'm not the best wrestler and I really want to work on catch wrestling that's a big one for me personally i think for the club i want to get more of the guys competing so a lot of them have been training the self-defense stuff i want to throw them in a little bit more to some of the combat sports to test it and try it and a lot more into club training you know i want them to feel what it's like going against people that do karate people that do yeah. jkd you know i think there's not so much of that anymore you used to back in the day get tons of interclubs and clubs would be really love to play with each other yeah now you'd struggle to get to get two three clubs come together i'm not sure why that is but yeah, yeah. they used to be so important that to me they're more important than the fights really if you're doing the kind of sparring matchups between clubs you all learn something you'll get something from it yeah that's a good point yeah um moving kind of on to that then what do you think the general state of the martial arts is now in the uk abroad um as someone who's trained in lots of different things before state of martial arts um I think the martial arts are in need of some good publicity again. Uh, okay. I think that the, the marketing machine behind MMA is amazing. And I love MMA. I really do. I, I, I love it. Uh, but I think that a lot of the more traditional single set martial arts have, have taken their foot off the gas. They're used to just running a club in a leisure center, having the same 15 people. It, it's almost like most martial arts are just on like life support at sure. the moment. Um, I don't see many clubs really throwing themselves into public demonstrations anymore, or trying to be on TV or radio. I think yeah. people have got a bit lazy with marketing it. Yeah. Because there's a certain type of people, there's certain groups of people that will always love martial arts. But there's a whole community out of people that would, would love it and really dig it, but they never get exposed to it. MMA has done amazing by combining the availability of clubs, and membership packages, with kind of the media. I think other martial arts have started to lose that media. I don't know about your club, but one of the things that really spikes interest in mine is films. So, for example, when Sherlock Holmes films came out, everybody wanted to learn things like Bartitsu. When yes. Game of Thrones is out, everyone wants to learn how to use a sword. When, <laughs> yeah. you know, people thought jiu-jitsu was dead boring, and then they see John Wick, and now everybody wants to do classical jiu-jitsu, which was sure, sure. dead. Yeah. Um, you know, the media really does drive it, uh, but I think coaches can do more, be more, you know, essentially be more of the community, get into the community, hold big events, do public facing things. Um, you know, and I think it's great now, I see martial artists like uh, Steve Lowe runs a, a karate club, amazing yeah. karate club, and he crowdsourced the building of his dojo. Yeah. Uh, you know, I see what Russell Johnson does and he's got you know, outreach programs, putting pads with kids over the summer, you know, that kind of stuff, that grassroots community engagement, I think, 
has fallen by the wayside. I remember when I was a kid, there was always at the opening of a local leisure centre, there'd be some Taekwondo club back from yeah, yeah. boards and doing stuff. You don't get that much anymore. Yeah, so a, bit, a bit lazy. They're just complacent, waiting for people. Uh, I think they would get. They're too used to the internet. I think for many instructors, I love the internet. I love making videos and content, but they're so used to people saying karate classes, Doncaster, and finding out where you are, yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to going out to where the kids and and, and the people that need yeah, to yeah. speaking to people, yeah, speaking to people. Yeah. Yeah. Word of mouth is still hugely important. Yeah, yeah. Um, finally, let's move on to the videos. So you've recently started putting quite a lot of videos out there, quite a lot of content. Uh -huh. um, kind of things that you've been doing. Why is that? Like, why did you want to put it out there? What are the plans for the future of doing that? And, yeah. So I, I love making the videos. You know, it, it, it's good fun, and like everybody, bored, bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I miss the the one to one teaching. Um, but I found that with the videos, I get a lot of requests come for different themes and things to cover. Um, so those come in, and you know, I feel like if I've got the time and the ability to do it, why not? I don't train martial arts for money. You know, I make just enough money off my classes to keep the class open. I've got a good job. I don't. I don't need to. You know, there's nothing against people that have to run their class for money. But for me, the class is for for lols. You know, my, my job's <laughs> yeah. my job, and I, I keep them very very separate, yeah. which allows me then to not worry about having content behind a paywall or join this you know subscription program or direct debit. You know, in the way I run my club, I can feel fully confident to give stuff away for free, yeah. and I'm cool with it. You know, I really love it. Um, so I'll be publishing more videos. I'm probably going to ramp up the sophistication of it. You know, I work in an advertising agency and I'm still making rubbish videos on my phone. <laughs> I'm probably going to invest in a better camera. Yeah. Um, I'll also start as COVID list working with other guest instructors because I don't want it to look like the Tommy Moore show. You know, I want to bring in all the people. You know, I've got a brilliant Savat instructor, yeah. you know, Elaine. He's amazing. There's no point learning Savat from me when I can put my actual Savat instructor in front of people and sure, sure. be able to kick people in the liver and make them cry. He's really good at that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, other things I'm working on. So I've just finished a book. Um, so I've got a book coming out very soon. And that's a training guide. So if you're a relatively experienced martial artist, it's a Bartitsu training guide for you to open up your own club and kind of work it to a syllabus and play with it. So it's more of a, a guide than a book, uh, but that's having its final photo shoot in the next couple of weeks. And um, I'm also working on a couple of films. So oh, okay. due yeah. to the weird nature of what I do uh, yeah. and how historical it is, I get people approach me for historic and period films. So I've had it with Kingsman in the past. So uh, the guys that look after the Kingsman fight scenes, they ask for some consultancy on how would people use Bartitsu for that. Sure. Um, so I've had a couple of people from, from different genres uh, want requests for advice for fight scenes, which is really cool. It's really random. I'm not cool, yeah. structure in any way, but they take source material and they turn that into good movie fighting. Yeah. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so a lot of, lot of activity, a lot of exciting stuff ahead. But for me, it's just about putting content out there for people, letting people play with it. I encourage arguments and discussion and debate. I love all that stuff. I think the internet's great for that. So we're at a time now where martial arts instructors need to, to use it or lose it. You've got time and you've got people's attention. Yeah. Put stuff out there for people to enjoy. Fantastic. Brilliant. So thank you so much for your time, Tommy. Really good talking to you. Lovely speaking to you too. Yeah. Okay. All right, Tommy. Thanks. Bye.